First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act... That sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to Scare You to Sleep. I'm your host, Shelby Scott. Oh boy, do I have a show for you tonight. These both have such interesting endings. I put them together on purpose in one episode because I think they go together really well, but I can't find the words to explain why. So just trust me, okay? Before we begin though, this week... I need to turn my ball cap around and sit backwards on this chair because we need to have a little chat. This is for those of you submitting true stories for upcoming story episode, true story episodes, and for those of you who like drama and mild scandals. Uh, the rest of you can jump ahead a minute or two, I believe. Um, look, I don't mean to put on mommy voice, but I have to say this. If you tell me in the email for your true story submission that you made half of it up or that some of it wasn't true or that most of it isn't true or any form of that, I won't be reading it on the show. Whether the paranormal is real or not is up for debate, I know, but I really don't appreciate you suggesting that I would lie to my audience when I very clearly explained in my true story episodes that I am going off the mutual understanding and trust between me, my audience, and the submitter, that this is something that the submitter truly believes happened to them or a loved one. I have gotten at least 15 or 20 emails that start with language suggesting or outright admitting to the story being fake in some way. I've even had a few people tell me to say, or tell me to feel free to add my own scary details or to make up a scarier ending. Look, I, if you want to make up a scary story, that's fantastic. That is what 98% of my episodes are. I'm not good at math, but you know, that sounds about right. You can always send me fiction, but please, please don't send me something specifically for the very rare true episodes I do, basically asking me to lie to my audience. I love my audience. I don't want to lie to them. And even if I were to put a disclaimer saying, oh, this author mentioned that half of the story is made up, then what's really the point? 
I know if I was listening to one of my favorite paranormal shows that claims that they're getting all of these true stories and they started a story like that, it would be a big old skip on my part and I would probably reconsider listening to the show, to be honest. I mean, that's just me. This is all personal preferences. If you have a show and you do paranormal stuff and you're cool with all that, that is fine. This is just a, this is just a me thing. Okay. Thank you for listening. You're a good kid. Um, I'm so sorry to <laughs> any of my listeners who have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm, it, it's like a, it's like a church counselor youth group thing. Um, anyway. Okay. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Um, this first story is by Ken Kreckler. You know Ken from his stories, Unreal, Lucid, Provider, many, many wonderful stories that Ken has allowed me to have on the show. This latest one was an absolute joy to produce and edit and all that. Please enjoy Formula. Howled through the darkness of the mountainside, and Princess Ariana braced against it with her shield, clutching the broadsword in her other hand. Even draped in the heavy, ancient furs of her lineage, she still felt as though the freezing snow had turned her fingers and toes to icicles, and she wished she could stop to check for frostbite. But she had to climb the mountain. She had to reach the top. Please... Don't Don't make me me do do this, this. she whimpered, crying softly. It doesn't doesn't have to be this way. But it did. Lightning split the sky in two, thunder boomed. She kept climbing. A man would be waiting for her at the summit of the mountain. At least, he used to be a man. Before the Orion Wars, something had changed him long ago. And Ariana had heard the legend enough times to expect long, dark robes and eyes smoking toxic poison. Don't Don't make make me me do do this, this. she repeated, pleading, her eyes leaking as she glared into the clouds. Please, I'm only 16, and and there's so much I've been looking forward to. It was very suspenseful the way the princess had slowly made her way over the rocky terrain and rivers of boiling blood. Danger at every turn. She had pushed forward, determined to face the evil specter who had held the kingdom in the palm of his pale, bony hand. The specter that had waited for her even now as he commanded dark clouds to churn in circles around the black summit on which he stood. There are other endings, Ariana said, weeping. It doesn't have to be like how you're making it. Ariana was crying. She cried a lot. She cried when the ogres of the north killed her mother and pillaged her city. 
She cried when her father was murdered by the Duchess of the Five Courts in a coup for political power. She cried through her training to become the fast and hardened warrior she was. Cried through countless combat lessons from brutal senseis who beat her mercilessly when she failed at any task. Even now, nearing the end of her epic journey, climbing the mountain, she was crying. It was as if she felt no gratitude at all. Gratitude? She shouted at the sky. Are you insane? Princess Ariana was going to be a hero. The strife of her story would make people see her as a tenacious, capable girl, and when this was all over, her name would be known throughout the land. She would be a legend. They'd tell stories about her for years. It was the greatest gift anyone could ever have. And it wasn't ridiculous to think she might appreciate something for once instead of complaining and whining the entire time like a baby. How dare you? She screamed, and her voice echoed through the crevices of tall, jagged spires looming over her. You've You've taken taken everything everything from me. me. My My kingdom, kingdom, my my family... Everything I've ever loved is dead because of you! You think I should be grateful? Lightning. Again. Thunder. A warning. Ariana tries to stop climbing, but can't. You're a monster! She seethed. The problem was, Ariana simply didn't understand good writing. She paused. And for the first time in weeks, the princess laughed. A long, biting howl of a laugh that sounded condescending and hostile. (laughs) Don't Don't flatter yourself. yourself. This is the same same old thing thing we've seen a thousand thousand times. Ariana didn't know what she was talking about. Oh, Oh, please. please. She spits. Every element here is a borrowed, recycled, stolen concept that you've plucked from the minds of smarter, better men. A forbidden prophecy? An enchanted crystal? Let me guess. Is my enemy also my long-lost brother? For a moment, the wind stopped, and the earth around her seemed to freeze in time. Then, the sky flickered with an orange light, and the wind began to tear at her again, now much stronger than before. Your structure, she shouted, is a hodgepodge of mediocrity without even a shred of original thought, and your first act is riddled with so much blatant exposition and unrelatable dialogue that the world will fall asleep before they're halfway through it. You're following a formula. You're not even trying. It was clear that Ariana had put on a few pounds lately. Oh, fuck you, she muttered. Ariana was ignorant and naive. She didn't understand that people wanted a formula. They wanted their expectations met. 
Their craving for the familiar was like some sort of drug that kept them coming back, paying hard-earned money for the same tired old thing over and over and over again. Nobody needed to try anymore. It doesn't doesn't have to be be like that. that, she said quietly, her voice trembling. You can can do do something something new, new. something Something fresh fresh that that no one's one's ever seen seen before. People People will pay pay more more for something something fresh. All the good ideas have been taken. There was nothing left but the formula. They've They've been been saying that, that, whispered Ariana, since the beginning of time. Staggering past the last of the spires, she saw a set of grey, uneven steps carved into the face of the rock ahead. They led upward, disappearing into a ceiling of thick mist. She was almost to the summit, where the enemy was waiting. Please, she said, and she began to cry once more. I don't want to die. But everyone knew that in a situation like this, your main character has to die in the end. It's just a given. You have your climactic showdown in a scary setting, and in the end, your main character always has to make some sort of noble sacrifice, some grand, dramatic choice that means they have to die in order to save their lover or family or world. That's just how these things were done. It's all there in the fucking formula. You have to kill your main character. How else would you know it was over? In her mind, Princess Ariana pictured an afternoon from years ago. A sunny walk through the courtyard with her mother and father on either side of her. Her father was telling her a fable about two bumblebees acting out the different voices in high tones and deep bellows. Ariana was giggling. So was her mother. And the sun was changing color while it set, and the breeze was crisp and cool. And as the princess started up the stone steps of the mountain, she thought of that breeze and that sun and her mother and father with her. She was calm now. She was ready. I hate you, she said simply, and she climbed, marching on to the place where the black robes waited. Peter sits at his desk, holding the gun, looking at it. His laptop is open in front of him, an email on his screen. The email is from his agent, explaining why the studio had rejected his latest script. A fantasy epic was too expensive, they said. They were going with another writer for the project. He'd been fired. Again. Peter is out of money. 
a stack of unpaid bills is mounting on the kitchen counter. His wife took the kids and moved in with her sister over a month ago. Lawyers have been leaving messages. She wants a divorce. The gun in his hand. Peter feels the world around him fade away. The sound of the traffic. The light from his screen. It all disappears. It's just him now. Just Peter. And the gun. Your career can only survive so many flops before you've lost all credibility. Before the tabloids and blogs calling you a has-been start to drag you down into some cold, dark place you can't crawl out from. Numb and broken and desperate and done. Peter presses the barrel of the gun to his head, even though he doesn't really want to. Please, he says to the empty room around him. Please, don't make me do this. The problem was, Peter didn't understand good writing. You know, one thing I've always struggled with is finding time to manage my finances. At the end of a busy week, the last thing I want to do is spend time budgeting all of my expenses or tracking down customer service teams to cancel old subscriptions I no longer use. Plus, I am not the best with numbers. But now, I use Rocket Money and it does all that for me. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with a few taps. I love how the dashboard shows me this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits. Plus, they'll help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. And I know you do not have the time or mental bandwidth to deal with customer service, but don't worry, they'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. That's rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. Rocketmoney.com slash scare you to sleep. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. 
last story of the evening is by a new writer, and I do mean new. They told me that this was their first attempt at writing, and I told them that this was not an attempt, but an accomplishment, because it has so much. It's sexy, yet it leaves you chilled to the bone. I hope you enjoy Immortal by Mackenzie Constantine. Scott was the eldest of the six Scott children. Her father was the owner of a booming coal mine, which was very fortunate indeed, as the world was just reaching what would be known as the Industrial Revolution. Mia had just celebrated her 18th birthday. This meant she was at the proper age to be married Mia was exceptionally beautiful, with long, flowing blonde hair, fair skin, and radiant green eyes. She was equally smart and excelled in all her studies. She even spoke English, French, and some Latin. As such, she was the target of every eligible bachelor within a 100-kilometer radius. And Mia was very much aware of this. For all of her beauty and intelligence, she lacked humility. Why should she dumb herself down for the sake of a man's fragile ego? She would not be responsible for their shortcomings. The only thing Mia actually feared was the inevitable doom that was time and the loss of her vitality that came with it. She thought of this as she pressed a rose-tinted liquid into her pale face. She noticed the faintest of wrinkles around the corner of her eyes. She flared her nostrils at her reflection. How dare her own skin betray her so? A sharp rap at her door woke her from her thoughts. Come in. She spoke calmly and a tiny head of her maid popped in. Uh, ma'am? The maid spoke timidly. There is a caller for you in the parlor? A uh, Mr. Urkoros? Urkoros? Who ever heard of such a name? Mia said, squinting her eyes at the maid. The maid just stood there, blinking stupidly. As much as this greatly annoyed Mia, she did her best to hide her irritation. Sighing, she spoke. <sighs> Very well. Tell this Mr. Urkoros I'll be down momentarily. With this, the maid nodded and turned swiftly from the room. Wonderful. Another suitor. Mia rolled her eyes in disgust. So far, every one of them had failed to hold her attention for longer than ten minutes before she grew tired of their dull chatter. How was she ever supposed to marry when they were all so... beneath her? Mia stood in front of her looking glass and smoothed out her bright green dress 
that matched her eyes. Right. Best get this over with. She sighed and descended down the staircase. At the bottom of the staircase stood Mia's father. He turned and looked at her sternly. Mia approached him, and he spoke to her in a low voice. Mia, listen to me. I cannot continue to watch you run off every suitor that walks through my door. This man is decent enough, and you will give him a proper chance. Mia scoffed. Since when did it matter what was decent? She had yet to meet a man that was her equal. All men thought of women as mere property. Horses for sale. Nothing more than investments. Walking towards the parlor, her thoughts continued. Well, she'd be damned if she allowed another bumbling buffoon to try and win her affections simply for the sake of... Her thoughts stopped as she reached the parlor entrance. For there stood a man, so beautiful, it stole the breath right from her chest. The man turned to face Mia. He was tall, lean-built, and a thick set of wavy hair combed neatly sat on his head. A strong jaw framed his nearly perfect face, full lips resting below a sharp nose, which gave way to the most startling set of pale blue eyes Mia had ever seen. The man gently bowed his head towards her, and her father, lending a kind smile just wide enough to reveal a set of perfectly straight white teeth. Mia felt a sharp nudge in her side, waking her from her daze. Excuse my daughter, she seems to have forgotten her manners. Her father offered apologetically. Mia immediately returned the man's bow with her own brisk curtsy and stepped forward, eyeing the man cautiously. Mr. Scott cleared his throat. <clears throat> Mr. Okoros has recently inherited his family's spice and silk trading business, and he was cut off by Mia's own voice. Okoros? Is that Egyptian? She asked, walking around this mystery man, eyeing him still. Close. It is Turkish, he answered seemingly amused. Very well. I'll be next door in my study if you two should need me. Mr. Scott turned on heel and departed, leaving the two alone. Mr. Orkoros, Mia started. Uh, please, call me Omer. The almost perfect man insisted. Mia stopped her pacing standing in front of him. Fine. Omer, what is your purpose here? Mia looked up into his pale blue eyes. She kept her voice steady, lest it betray her rapidly beating heart. She could smell him now. A scent of fresh tobacco 
mixed with a rich, deep liqueur Mia couldn't quite place, filled her nose. It sent a burning sensation off deep between her thighs, a feeling she was not accustomed to. She squirmed slightly under his gaze. Well, I would have thought that was obvious, Miss Scott. I'm here to grant your darkest desire. His voice, smooth and creamy, like the sweetest caramel Mia had ever tasted. Mia, however, raised her eyebrow. And what could you possibly know of my desires? You don't even know me, she retorted. Omer gently lifted her chin, running a surprisingly soft finger down her jaw. You'd be surprised at the things I know. He eased, grinning at her. At this, Mia snorted and turned her back to him. <laughs> you men, you're all the same. You come in here thinking you can control me, that you can own me, simply because I am a woman. Mia folded her slender arms around her chest, her heart still beating, no, racing wildly. She kept her back to him. If he thought he could win her over, flashing a cheesy smile and flaunting his wealth, he would be sorely disappointed. A warm, strong arm wrapped suddenly around her waist, and an even warmer nose touched her neck gently. She was paralyzed. She could feel his breath on her neck, sending deep chills down her spine. It is bold of you to assume I am a man, he whispered into her ear. Mia's knees nearly gave way. Omer held her against him, keeping her upright. (laughs) Not a man, eh? What are you then? A god? Mia joked. Her thoughts were so scattered now. It's like she was intoxicated. How could a man have this kind of effect on her? Omer chuckled at this. Most definitely not. I'm merely a vessel, a being, sent here to give pleasure. My pleasure, that is what you came for? She forced her thoughts to focus. Are you not here for my hand? My dear, beautiful creature, I have no need for a wife. I do, however, have a great need for your... Omer slid his muscular arm lower and firmly pressed a finger to the burning center between her legs. Innocence. He breathed into Mia's ear and she let out an involuntary sigh. He removed his hand 
and Mia staggered a few steps forward, breathing deeply, trying so desperately to clear the fog from her mind. Her innocence! What the hell did that even... She stopped and turned sharply. My virginity? <laughs> she laughed. You expect me to give you my virginity? Because you asked so nicely? Omer once again approached her. Soothingly, he reached for her hand and pressed it against his warm lips. No, my beautiful creature. I offer you that which you desire above all else. Immortality. The last word rang in her ears, echoing in her head. Was she going crazy? Surely this is all a dream and she'll be woken soon by her maid. I can assure you, I am very real. Omar answered. How did you? Omar pressed his finger to her lips, silencing her. I told you, you would be surprised at what I know. Mia collapsed into the velvet armchair behind her, her head still swimming. But, so... Let, let me get this straight. You're going to give me immortality in exchange for my... She swallowed. Virginity? She tasted the words as they left her tongue. You're mad! She shook her head. That's it. You're just mad because there's no way... This is real. Omer sighed. This, my beautiful creature, is very real. And he strode over to the open, lit fireplace. He placed his arm into the dancing flames. Unflinching, unwavering, his eyes turned towards her eyes that were now the same color as the amber flames he held his arm to. This is no dream. This is not a trick. His voice echoed only in her mind. You know my offer. What say you, beautiful creature? Mia stared, transfixed by Omer's golden eyes. Before she knew what she was saying, she stuttered. I accept. Omar broke the trance by moving swiftly towards her, holding out his hands for hers. Mia stood and held her shaking hands to him. He wrapped his fingers around her tiny wrists so tightly she thought they might snap. In her hand, he placed a tiny glass vial filled with amber liquid. Drink this when you are alone. I will come to collect my payment during the next full moon. And with that, Omer glided out of the parlor door. <laughs>
Mia was still holding the glass vial when she heard the entry door close harshly. Her father's voice and footsteps were approaching. She quickly slipped the vial between her breasts. Well, how did it go? What did he say? Her father asked, his meaty hands placed over his large gut. His eyebrows furrowed when he saw how flush Mia's cheeks were. Mia, what happened? You look disheveled. Mia smoothed her dress out of habit. Disheveled indeed, father. I shall be retiring to my room for the remainder of the evening. As she hastily made her way up the staircase, she passed Mary, the maid. She stopped in front of her. Mary, please make sure I am undisturbed. Mary nodded. Of course, ma'am. And with that, Mia slammed her door shut and turned the brass key. She collapsed onto her soft feather bed, breathing in the smell of the lavender oils the servants put on her pillows. She thought about what the man had said to her. She played over the event in her mind. What had she done? Traded her virginity to a complete stranger who declared himself to be some kind of sorcerer or warlock? And for what? She pulled the glass vial from her chest, rolling it between her fingers. And she sat up. It could be poison, she told herself, but quickly dismissed the idea of a complete stranger wanting her dead. And how had his eyes change colors like that? How did he project his voice into her head? Maybe he was who he said he was. Maybe he had actually given her the antidote to her greatest fear. Everlasting beauty. With this vial, she would never die. She'd never need to marry some pathetic man. She could live forever and do as she pleased. No one could tell her no. She pulled the miniature cork from the mouth of the bottle with a smart pop. She smelled it, holding it under her nose. It smelled of that dark liqueur that came from Omer, and the sensation returned, pulsating in her core. Mia put the bottle to her lips and poured the liquid down her throat. She gasped as it burned her throat, burning down, down. The fire spread all the way to the tips of her fingers and her toes. She laid back in the pillows, allowing herself to be overcome by the sensation. Mia bit her tongue in order to keep from crying out. Over and over the blaze spread and pulsed, forcing her to focus on her breathing. Just when she thought it would never end... The pain subsided. Mia's heart was still pounding when she sat up and wiped a tear from her eye. She looked around her room. She didn't feel any different. Maybe the stranger had lied, tricked her. 
Her cheeks burned with the thought of a man somehow taking advantage of her. How would she be able to tell? Still looking around her room, she spotted a letter opener on her nightstand. Mia held it in her hand. The letter opener shone bright silver against her pale skin. In a quick motion, Mia slid it against her palm. Pain singed and blood poured from her hand. She opened her clenched fist and examined the wound. She watched in disbelief as the blood stopped dripping and the cut slowly grew smaller and smaller until nothing was left except the dried streaks of her blood. She whispered to no one. Unbelievable. Nearly four weeks had passed since the strange man had made his appearance. Mia thought about what he had said over and over again. She had traded her virginity for everlasting beauty. At the time she had agreed, she was weak and nervous trapped under Omer's dark spell. But now, standing on her balcony under the full moon, she could think clearly. A soft breeze grazed her cheek, and a familiar smell filled her nostrils. Tobacco and liquor. The hairs on the back of her neck stood on end. Hello there, beautiful creature. A velvety voice oozed from behind her. Mia turned quickly to see the sultry face of Omer. His blazing blue eyes nearly glowing in the moonlight. Omer, Mia said in return. I've come to collect what is mine, Mia. I trust you remember our agreement, he said, as smooth as glass. Mia's eyes darted frantically to search for a way out. Finding none, she said, I do remember. She could feel the tingling in her lower limbs as her mind began to cloud over once again. Excellent. Omer took a step towards her. Mia instinctively took a step back, hitting the railing, breaking the trance. She realized what was happening. He was trying to trap her, trick her again. Her cheeks flushed and her nostrils flared. Why should she fear this man or whatever he was? He had tricked her the first time, caught her off guard. But she was not that same woman. She was immortal now. She feared no one, including him. Mia looked up into Omer's eyes, her green ones matching his own intensity. No, she said firmly. Omer stopped mid-step. No? He cocked his head, genuinely confused, as if the word was foreign in his mouth. I said no. 
Mia repeated once more, even more aggressively than before, her eyes burning as another soft breeze flowed through her hair. Still, she stood, unwavering. You made a deal. I gave you what you wanted. Now you must pay. He took another step. This time, however, Mia returned with her own advance. You tricked me, she growled. You tricked me into giving you what you wanted, clouded my judgment. Now they stood, nose to nose. Mia waited for the charismatic demon to put his hands on her, to force her to give in. She would fight him then. She feared no one now. But instead of force, she was met with a grin. I will not force you to keep your word. However, I cannot let this indiscretion go unpunished. He smiled and continued. As you have already taken the elixir, the gift of immortality cannot be returned. It can, however, be altered. He continued speaking, projecting his voice into her head once more. You may keep your pride and your vanity. Keep them as long as you can, my beautiful creature. For though you may be immortal, eternal youth will evade you. Every passing day, your body will slowly age. You will watch as those around you fade away as your skin begins to spot with decay. You will remain undying. Your eyes will decompose and maggots will feast on your flesh. Mia's eyes widened in terror. Omer's teeth flashed. His eyes now golden. As your tissue begins to liquefy, may you watch still. Putrefaction seizing your once slender fingers and delicate toes. Your flesh and organs will rot until there is nothing left but your skeletal remains. Your now hollow eyes will watch as everything turns to dust forever undying. With those last few words echoing in her mind, Omer slowly faded into a black mist and disappeared forever. Thanks for listening. Thank you again to my authors, Ken Kreckler and Mackenzie Constantine. I almost called you Mackenzie Scott because not only was that your protagonist's last name, but it is my last name. Welcome to the Scott family, Mackenzie. <laughs> I'm 
so sorry, Mackenzie Constantine. Um, uh, thank you to everyone listening. Thank you to all my new listeners. Please, please, please spread the word about the show. If you if you follow me on Twitter, please retweet. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your teachers. Tell your uh, uh, preachers. I don't think your preachers would like it very much. Um, tell everybody. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've heard from a lot of friends lately. Friends, in quotes, who are like, and family members who are like, I am so proud of you, and I support you so much, but I just can't listen to your show because it's, it's pretty graphic, and I just can't, I just can't, and that's fine, but can you, can you, can all of you find people to make up for the people in my life who are terrible? <laughs> They're not terrible, but, you know, I get, I get it, I get it, but still. Anyway. Um, I had a bad, if, if anyone wants updates on the baked goods situation, I had a bad baked goods, uh, weekend, week, everything. This weekend, I saw my family for the first time in forever. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you saw it. I burned, I burned a cake for the first time in my whole life. It was a scandal in my family. It was, it was, I come by my baking skills. Honestly, everyone in my family it cooks and bakes and everything. And as family members were arriving, it was my aunt's, uh, it was not only Mother's Day, but it was my aunt's birthday. Happy birthday, Aunt Di. Um, every, as, as family members filed into my, my parents' household, they, my mother would announce that I had burned a cake and they would all literally, literally gasp and go, Shelby burned a cake. And I would hear them from the other room. I was in the other room ironing and I would hear them. And then when it got to my grandma, she was, my mom was like, yeah, Shelby burnt the first cake. Cause I, I redid it. I, I, I made another one. It was the pineapple upside down cake. The second one was great. It was awesome. Anyway. Um, my mom was like, yeah, Shelby burnt the first cake. And my grandma looked at me. I think, I don't know if I've ever seen someone so ashamed of me. She just, the look she gave me, I wish, I wish I was being facetious, but she looked at me like she was kind of considering kicking me out of the family. And then I made cookie bars few days ago and they weren't good i i usually when i make chocolate chip cookie bars i just make my own chocolate chip cookie recipe press them into a pan and cook them a little different lower for longer didn't do that decided to follow someone else's cookie recipe cookie bar recipe i won't name names it's a famous youtuber person they were awful they were awful they were gross um they weren't gross but they were just they weren't good they were just all sugar and no no other flavors it was just so sweet you couldn't taste anything else and i like depth to my baked goods and then today i got a cronut and it wasn't good you know i hadn't i hadn't done the cronut thing yet um even here in la we have like not the original i know he did it in new york but we have the um wow dominique ansel is that his name bakery here at the Grove and I just didn't bother because I didn't want to wait in line when it was like a huge thing and then when it wasn't a huge thing I kind of forgot about them and then today we went to our normal donut shop that we love in Burbank um and they had them and I was like oh well I mean I'll just get one and it wasn't it wasn't good you guys it wasn't good I this is the best bur this is the best donut place in the entire world I will stand by that and I would bleed for these people but the, the cronuts weren't good. Um, they weren't. And I, I, I blame cronuts and not them. <sighs> sometimes I wonder uh, if this is why my listeners go down sometimes. is because of this, this part of the show. 
I go from spooky. I'm by the time I do this part, I am not in spooky mode anymore. And I'm in like, it's like right now it's 1124 PM ready to go have the good donut. I got, I got a backup donut. Don't worry. I got a backup donut. Um, time. And that's what time it is. Thank you to my authors. Go follow the show. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Facebook page been popping off. Everybody's like, is that a, uh, it's been doing really well. Every, we've been getting a lot of new people. Uh, we're at over 3000 people now. It's fun. It's great. If you're new there, post something. It'll be fun. It'll be great. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's fun. Instagram has been growing a lot. There's like, I got I have like, I don't do Instagram very well. And I, when I see the followers on there, it intimidates me. I don't, there's like 4,000 people of you just looking at me and it's intimidating. Don't worry. I'll, I'll try to post more. I'm supposed to be doing TikTok soon too. I don't know how I love TikTok. Uh, don't worry. This is not like a, a boomer esque millennial rant about how TikTok is for children and Gen Z. This I love TikTok. I'm just I just haven't actually done it myself yet or posted anything. I don't really know what to post for the show. Should I do like videos of me just talking about spooky stuff plus like clips of the show? Yeah, that's probably what I should do, huh? I think we just figured this out together. Thank you. Um all right, I'm going to let you go. Go get some sleep. Sweet dreams. Item number SCP-5186. SCP-7160. SCP-7533. Object class. Euclid. Keter. Safe. Special containment procedures. <laughs> Spreading across the hemisphere and kicking up vast amounts of ash and dust. <laughs> the only thing I could hear was 7219 <laughs> laughing. <laughs> Do you remember your name? Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. I feel them again. Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. They're in my ears! Heartland Counseling. Appointment update. Nobody understands! SCP Archives is a weekly fiction podcast. Each episode, we dive into the strange, the unknown, and the... Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at scparchives.com.